0: Thank you for being here this morning and joining us via the internet and, and all the other folks that, that watch this even after it happens. Uh, we appreciate your uh, support, love, encouragement, prayers, but especially just your attention that you dedicate this time to dig a little deeper into the Bible is significant to me and, and an encouragement to me to dig to, to make sure that I'm able to teach Something that might be of some use so that you don't feel like your time was wasted. So with that, what we've been doing right now is we're going through a series where I'm finding Old Testament themes through the book of John. And and it's a delight to do because it just falls out of every verse. And we as a people are generally, even, even the most biblically literate of us, generally do not readily find so many Old Testament uh, um, passages and ties because we're reading in English and we spend most of our time reading in the New Testament and so it's just not always that easily done a good example was uh, Pastor Stephen Morris this morning in the sermon where he referenced Paul and Paul's comment in Philippians one, where he said that uh, uh, I am confident that this will work out for for my good, my deliverance, and 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 Pastor Stephen said that we may not realize it, but Paul's actually quoting Job thirteen sixteen. And if you look at Job 13, 16 in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament that Paul used so many times, it is word for word exactly out of that passage in Job. But most of us don't realize that because we're just not that familiar. And the same thing happens today as we look at John chapter 6 in a little bit more detail. There are words and phrases that are echoes of of passages out of the Old Testament and if we don't stop and pause long enough to taste the food if we're just gulping it down like I have a tendency to do we don't appreciate the flavor of the passage the way we should so that's what we're trying to do and in that regard some of the most core material for the Gospel of John are found in In the Torah books the Torah books or the five books of Moses that would make up a Torah scroll we would call Genesis Exodus Leviticus Numbers and Deuteronomy and if we were to spend a lot of time in those books and a number of you have been reading through the Torah devotional this year but as you spend a lot of time in those books those books shout out Certain really important concepts about who God is, about who we are as people. The Torah books shout out loudly about what life is about, both the good and the bad of this life, how this life has now led to death, barring something else to be done. And these are books that are called Torah because that's the Hebrew word for law but they're also called the books of Moses because these are books that were compiled and put together through material that was revealed to Moses up on Mount Sinai and these books reveal the ugly predicament that sin has upon us these books reveal that sin is something that is is part of our DNA now that none of us can be as good as we'd like to be all of us sense the inability to do those things morally That we know we should do all of us have selfishness that rears its head Becky and I were at a wedding in Austin last night and the the homily the sermon in the wedding the 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 officiant did a great job of explaining how husbands and wives love for each other should reflect the love that Jesus has for his church I was sitting there and I was thinking, how many things do I do in my life that do, in in my interactions with Becky, that do not accurately reflect how Jesus behaves towards the church and me? I mean, none of us measure up. And if any of us think we measure up, then we are so deluded on the purity of God and what's required of us that we've got to quit smoking whatever we're smoking. (laughs) But the Torah sets up a problem. The earliest books of the Bible, the earliest revelation of God sets up a predicament and explains that the sin we have separates us from God. God is morally perfect his moral perfection cannot uh, I mean the expression in Lubbock is truck t-r-u-c-k like carpool you can't he can't truck with us we can't ride together he's morally perfect And everything in his fellowship has to be morally perfect. That excludes you and me. And once we're separated from God, do you know what we are? We are on the road to death. Sin produces death. Now all of this is set up in the Torah. Every concept I've just given you is taught over and over and over in the Torah. I have given you nothing new. I haven't given you some Christianized version of Judaism. I'm telling you what the Torah says. Now, Rabbi Shaul, or as we might call him, the Apostle Paul, wrote to a church a group of churches around Ephesus and he said all of this stuff that was in the Torah everything I've just told you God saw it coming ahead of time God did not make this world God is not someone who said history on its course and was shocked and surprised at the sin of humanity it did not surprise him he did not say ay caramba what is this god speaks spanish by the way <laughs> as well as english he's like very multilingual aurora i won't embarrass you by calling you out in front of everybody but am, am i correct you speak german You speak English. You speak Russian. Do you speak any other languages? Well, that's okay. You're how old now? Ten? You've got more years. That's amazing. And she doesn't just speak them. I mean, she speaks them. Okay, God's got her beat. He can speak every language. But God saw this coming in any language you want to say. And God deliberately made the world knowing what it would cost him to redeem his people Paul said it this way Paul said God chose us in Christ in the Messiah before the foundation of the world so when we look at the Torah and when we listen to the Torah we can not only hear the predicament, the ugly predicament of sin, we not only hear how sin separates us from God, we not only hear the explanation for why all of us at some point in our lives are driven from a search for meaning. We're all sitting there saying, I've got to be made for more than this there's got to be more to life than this and we're driven for that because it is a hunger that has been produced in us and explained by the Torah but not only does the Torah set out the ugly predicament the Torah also sets out the promise of God that found fulfillment in Yeshua Jesus the Messiah Christ That's in the Torah as well. And so we listen to the Torah as God says to to Adam and Eve that from the seed of woman will come one who will step on the effective works of the serpent. We can read the Torah and see how God promises that that's the seed that's going to come through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob. We can read the Torah where Moses, who puts the Torah together, says that God has promised a prophet like me. Someone who's who's called out from Israel to deliver the people from bondage and slavery into a promised land through the working of signs. That promise is made. And so the Torah not only explains... That sin brings death. But the Torah promises that just as sin brings death, so the Messiah will spring from death life and turn it around. Now, if that's in the Torah, doesn't it make sense that the Apostle John, in writing his gospel, so easily says, I want to write to teach. And confirm that Yeshua Jesus is Hamashiach the Messiah the Christ and so what he's written is written to convey that message you with me all right that's what we've been doing this class that's what we're going to continue to do but now let's get into John chapter 6 it is quiz time Ding 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 ding. We need like a jingle for quiz time. You know like Alex Trebek's got his little Jeopardy da 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 da. da. We need we, someone write right one of those up for us next week. Okay, thanks buddy. Okay. So, here it is. Quiz time. I am going to put up the first 5 verses of John chapter 6. And I want to ask you which of these verses sticks out like a sore thumb are you ready here it is we will read it together you're looking for the verse that sticks out like a sore thumb all right there is no time limit by the way except the remote control here we go after this Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee which is the Sea of Tiberias and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs he was doing on the sick Jesus went up the mountain up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples now the Passover the feast of the Jews was at hand lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him Jesus said to Philip where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat now the Sesame Street song one of these things is not like the other one of these things eh, it does belong but it sort of does and what sticks out which verse is sticking out like a sore thumb Four. now the Passover of the Jews was it it's like someone just stuck it in there randomly if you don't read the passage with deeper meaning I mean, look what happens I took it out verse 4 gone look how smooth it reads After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain. There he sat down with his disciples, lifting up his eyes then, and seeing a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Do you see how smooth that reads? But no, John sticks in verse 4. Between Jesus going up on the mountain, sitting down with the disciples, and lifting up his eyes and seeing a large crowd coming towards him, he has this, now the Passover of the Feast of the Jews was at hand. I'm telling you, it sticks out like a sore thumb. Not because John was, had, had like pinned Tourette's, where periodically he'd just insert something. <laughs> hand spasm. no. John wants you thinking about the Passover while you're reading this so I want you thinking about the Passover while we read and study this here's your refresher where's Rick Meadow where ah there you are he's sitting with Max and Bev um, how does Passover start what's the kid say yeah why is this night different from any other that's the way the Pesach starts the Passover starts and the answer is given so Passover Hebrew Pesach is an explanation a celebration a memoriam of very specific historical events in the Torah God could have just said Eh, I did that. Let's get on down the road. After all, I assure you, there are cajillions of things God has done that have not been secured for us and written in Scripture. God's at work all the time. But this is something he did. He not only secured, he said, I want you to teach your children. I want you to teach your children's children and children's children's and children's and children's and children's. And here we are, over three thousand years later, and my buddy Rick Meadow knows it, and he celebrated it in his life, growing up Jewish in New Jersey and New York. This is something we need to know. What makes that night different? Well, go back to the situation, Israel. Is in slavery for Pharaoh in Egypt and God is calling them forth and Moses shows up and he does nine signs God does them through Moses and Pharaoh still won't let the people go so God says I'm gonna do a tenth sign and this is gonna be the one I'm sending the angel of death through Egypt And the angel of death is going to take the firstborn of every household of every animal the firstborn of all except for the houses where there has been the blood of a sacrificed unblemished male lamb that's been killed to deliver the people so the angel of death will pass over. An unblemished male lamb to be sacrificed to save the Israelites from the angel of death. And the blood of that lamb is to be painted over not just the doorposts, but the lintel. Paint it like a cross. This is the celebration. And the angel of death, when when as 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 God says it, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh's household is is, uh, affected, everybody's household is affected. Pharaoh is viewed by the time, at that time in Egypt, as a god. And he is a god on earth who's supposed to protect the Egyptian people and way of life. And he cannot stand against the Jewish god, the Israeli god, Israelites god. Let's get it right, sorry. And so, the angel of death... Pharaoh says, no moss, and the people are released. And a great crowd goes out with Moses after the signs. And God leads the way with a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way by day and by night, a pillar of fire. And they go, and as they get to the Reed Sea, or the Red Sea, it can be translated either way, When they get to the Reed Sea, all of a sudden the Israelites are looking for the way across. And there's no way across. There aren't any boats. And Pharaoh's had a change of heart. And one of the world's strongest armies is now bearing down with 600 chariots. And the Israelites realize in fear they've got nowhere to go. And Moses raises his staff. And the waters are divided. And the Israelites go through the sea on dry ground. Pharaoh sends his chariots after him. And once the Israelites get out of the dry ground and out of the sea, the sea closes back in and drowns the Egyptian army. And the people are rescued. And the people go out into the wilderness and they go up to a mountain, Mount Sinai. And there Moses goes up into the mountain and he receives the word of the Lord. And these Israelites who have been saved in their lack of faith decide, eh, this wasn't turning out the way we thought. Let's build a golden calf. We'll worship him. They go through the wilderness experience, they get hungry, they whine about it. Oh, why'd God bring us out here to die? We could be back in Egypt. Yeah, we were slaves, but there were lots of onions growing by the Nile we could be eating. (laughs) Like anybody eats onions. Um, And so God gives them manna. He rains down bread from heaven for them. He gives them manna, he gives them quail, meat. And every day, except for the Sabbath, every day they would go out and harvest the manna because God was their daily nourishment. They weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath, so on the day before the Sabbath, day six, they would gather for two days. That's a Passover story. You got it? Now let's go back to John after this Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee which is the Sea of Tiberias and a large crowd follows him Moses went away was sent away by Pharaoh Pharaoh didn't just say yeah you can go he said get out leave Moses goes away And he's followed by a large crowd and that large crowd of Israelites that followed him followed him not because they necessarily just saw the signs but followed him because of the signs he worked ten of those signs in Israel and that was the ticket out and so they leave and Jesus goes up on the mountain not unlike what Moses did on Sinai But Jesus sits there with his disciples and then lifting up his eyes and seeing a large crowd Jesus says to Philip where are we gonna buy bread by the way God is a master at asking questions that he already knows the answer to but he's asking us so that we have to figure out the answer most famous one in Genesis God's walking in the Garden of Eden after the sin he says where are you Well, I mean they were not winning hide-and-seek with God God wanted them to address that question well we were hiding because we were ashamed because we realized we were naked well who told you that see God is able to educate us through questions Jesus says where are we to buy bread the the answer is fascinating if we go over to the text for a moment let's see how we're doing time-wise yeah we've got time for this so are you all able to see that okay maybe a little bit closer hold on hold on hold on there a little bit better all right where are we to buy bread so that the people may eat he said this to quiz him To test him to check him he knew what he was gonna do Philip said 200 denarii worth of bread a denarius was a a denarii was a, a one day's wage okay so 200 days worth of money would not be enough for each of them to get even just a little bit now one of the disciples Andrew Simon Peter's brother said hey here's a kid he's got five barley loaves and two fish five barley loaves now you read this miracle in all of the Gospels Matthew's got it Mark has it Luke has it but none of them insert this barley John tells us something else about the story by barley loaves these loaves by the way barley uh, uh, barley was the the poor man's bread at that point in time you go back a thousand years you go back the time of Moses barley was a big deal but by the time you get to the time of Jesus in the Roman Empire and in the world barley had by and large been replaced with wheat they're both grasses they they both have the the, you know the husk and all of that stuff you've got to get out and they both will form gluten you can make bread with them and all of that mess but um, wheat has replaced barley barley was still used to make um, beer things like that in the time of Jesus but but it was the poor person's sustenance so these would have been five little kind of uh, not even as big as rice crackers just five little barley loaves, and the fish are probably little pickled fish. Don't be thinking that, you know, like we catch in Lubbock. (laughs) Well, maybe. These are like sardines, okay? These are small little pickled fish. So he's got two of those. That's what he's got. And so he's got those. Jesus says, okay, okay. Tell everybody to have a seat. Have people sit down. Now, there's a lot of grass there. So the men sat down. There's about 5,000 of them. Jesus takes the loaves and gives thanks. Thank you, Lord. And he distributed to those who were seated. Then he takes the fish, does the same thing, and everybody ate as much as they wanted. When they'd eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Go gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. Jesus is the ultimate recycler. I'm going to say that again because I'm not talking simply about his willingness not to let food go to waste which in itself is a pretty powerful statement considering the fact he basically made it like that. But Jesus and God, they are the ultimate recyclers with you and me because we have so much in our lives that the world would view as waste, garbage things that have happened to us, things that aren't right, things that aren't fair, and God's able to say, gather up all of that because I'm going I'm to make use of that with you. He recycles us too. And I need that because I've got a lot of garbage that needs to be recycled. Um, so they gathered up and they filled 12 baskets with fragments from those five little barley loaves. This is just what was left by those who were eaten. When the people saw the sign he'd done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. We finally got the Messiah. John continues, perceiving that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. I mean, that's the kind of king you want, isn't it? I will follow that king into battle free food no supply line problems and if I get hurt he can heal me If I die he can resurrect me I'm ready to go man we have a number of people in here who have served this country in the military and we thank you for your service to the country it's an amazing thing can you imagine you better than anybody can understand what it would be like to be told hey your new commanding officer has full access to full food at any time and it can be given to you and you eat all you want and oh by the way if anything happens to you don't worry they can um, your commanding officer can immediately restore your health you step on an IED it's okay Shell hits your vehicle, it's okay. You get burned, it's okay. You lose a limb, it's okay. Boom, immediate restoration. That's what the people are thinking. They're thinking, this is the guy that finally is going to get rid of Rome and give us our independence. Now, look at what happens here. Let me see where my PowerPoint goes. Just Just a moment, just a moment, just a moment, just a moment. Ah, yeah I got to do this let's go back to the PowerPoint for a minute this is just a freebie because I want you to understand that barley being thrown in there isn't only to let you know that this was a poor kid I think barley's thrown in there because this story also echoes from 2nd Kings chapter 4 in the Old Testament a story about Elisha and there are three stories in 2nd Kings chapter 4 that should come to your mind this is the chapter where Elisha goes and visits the widow woman with her son and the widow woman sets out food in front of Elisha even though she doesn't have it she's very poor but Jesus manages Jesus Elisha manages to multiply her oil so that she's not only got an unending supply for her and her son but she's got enough to sell it to pay for the bills this is the same chapter where, in addition to multiplying the food stuff, Elisha goes and there's a Shunammite woman who's taken good care of him, even gives him a, a place to stay that's kind of his room. And he, he can't pay her anything. She's got plenty, but he wants to bless her. So he says, How can I bless you? She says, Uh, I don't know. And he says, wait, you've always wanted a son. I'm going to get God to give you a son. And she has a son. What a blessing. And then the son dies. And her comment was, why did you curse me by giving me this? Only to take him away. And Elisha is there and he heals the son and brings the son back to life. So you've got in Elisha. A prophet, someone who's multiplying foodstuffs, someone who's healing the Shunammite son. And one of the last stories, the last story that ends that chapter is one where Elisha says, we've got a military army here, we've got 500 men who need to eat, let's feed them. What do we have? All we have are 20 barley loaves. Barley specified. That's not enough to feed 100 hungry military men and Elisha says yes it is with God praise a blessing over it and passes it out and they've got plenty left over and the 20 barley loaves are multiplied for the 100 Jesus has five that goes for 5,000 you not only should realize this story but you should realize in the story that, that that's being told Jesus is the, the Old Testament just percolates over and over throughout the old sto- whole story. And the whole concept, Jesus goes away, a large crowd follows him because they see the sign. Now, Jesus is coming back to this, but do you know what John does in chapter 6? He takes a time out from this whole dialogue of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And he inserts another story that happened in there. You ready for it? Here's the insertion of the story. There we go. Thank you all. Perceiving they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. They got into a boat. They started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. They'd rowed maybe three or four miles when they see Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat. They were scared. Jesus said, "It's me. Don't be afraid." So they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Now, the next day, the narrative continues about the bread of life. The people are stunned at first because they don't understand how they get there, how he got there, but they find him on the other side of the sea, and they say to him, "Rabbi, when'd you come?" Jesus says, you're seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill, you're hungry again. I think he was probably joking, because we already know they were there for the signs, and that was a sign. But it's just kind of like, hey, you guys hungry again? Then Jesus makes the point. Don't work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. And he continues the narrative. Now we're going to continue the narrative with him but before we do let's come back to the PowerPoint for a moment what is this insertion doing but continuing to tell us that Jesus is one like unto Moses but even greater Moses in the Passover parts the waters through God for the people to walk through on dry land. Jesus just walks on it. See, he, John wants you to understand Jesus is Moses on steroids. Jesus is not one, oh my, a predicament. Let's part the waters so I can walk on dry land because that's all humans can do is walk on dry lands. Jesus is like, Right across the water the stormy water and John inserts that story into this whole Passover narrative because he doesn't want us to miss that Jesus is the one that Moses was pointing towards Jesus is one that that is greater than Moses all of those mosaic events foreshadowed a reality And it's only at this point in time that John continues with the narrative to explain that Jesus is the bread of life. The Israelites got manna from heaven, but Jesus himself is the actual manna from God. So let's spend a few minutes looking at this, please. All right. Jesus says, "Don't work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life." I want you to look at that word work because that's going to be important. Hold on, we're going to like we're going to make it really important. Okay? You got it? Work. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures To eternal life which the Son of Man will give to you for on the Son of Man God the Father has set his seal Weston Fields talks about that as being God putting his notary seals were something that were commonly used to show possession like, this is mine. And so a seal could be used to show that a letter is appropriately a letter. The same seal was applied to the tombstone to make sure that it was not moved uh, uh, on Easter. Seals could be applied to jugs to show that the jug belongs to someone. God has set his seal on Jesus Jesus is about God's business. He's God's. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And we're going to do that again. You got it? Jesus says, don't work for food that perishes, but food that endures to eternal life then they said well what must we be doing to do the works of God Um, the word translated works there ta erga you some of you have taken Greek remember your Greek ta uh, erga that is plural accusative plural That's why it is translated works. You got it? Jesus changes the number on the noun. Jesus doesn't say ta erga. Jesus says to ergon. Uh, G O N tone ergone singular in other words this is the singular work don't start thinking about what works you can do don't ask what works plural you can do to endure to eternal life oh i'd make a list a mile long you wouldn't be able to do them but that's not what Jesus says they said what well, they asked what must we do to be doing the works plural of God and Jesus answered and said this is the work of God singular just one you believe in him who he has sent our job our Work, Our effort is never going to bear fruit for eternal life that will last forever. Our job is to trust Jesus for that. The word believe, pistou in the Greek, means to have faith or to trust. That's our job. If you trust in Jesus the Messiah you will have the food that endures to eternal life now they said to him they replied to him well what sign do you do that we can see and believe what work do you perform our fathers ate manna in the wilderness Passover As it's written he gave them bread from heaven to eat Jesus said to them listen guys it wasn't Moses that gave you the manna it was my father and he gives you the true bread from heaven Moses didn't give the manna the father did and that's the father who's giving you the true bread from heaven For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. People are starving to death. They need food. They're physically starving to death. God sends down manna from heaven for them to eat. Jesus is saying that was a foreshadowing. The real food you need has been sent down from heaven for you to feast upon. The one who comes down from heaven and gives his life to the world. They said, well, we'd like some of that. Jesus says, it's me. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger. Whoever believes in me will not thirst. I said to you, you've seen me and you don't believe. But all the Father gives me will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I won't cast out. And Jesus makes it real clear it's him. And the people are are, are really bothered by this. They love the show. They love the miracles they love the feast and getting fed free food Jesus didn't charge him he didn't say hey have a seat we're gonna have fish and and barley bread five bucks a ticket he gives freely they like that But now he's talking about something a little closer to home. He's telling them to start putting their confidence in him. He's telling them to rely upon him. He says, I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me. I'm not going to lose of all that he's given to me. I'm going to raise it up on the last day. This is the will of my father. That everyone who looks on the son and believes in him. That's the work that endures to eternal life. Everyone who believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. death is not a time of extinction death is a time of resurrection now the Jews start grumbling about this I mean he's saying, I'm the bread of heaven that came down from heaven I'm the bread that came down from heaven well this is just Jesus this is Joseph's son I mean what right does he have to say I came down from heaven now he's gotten all uppity I mean you know, they're all for. Hey, we love this guy. We want him to be king until all of a sudden he says, "Okay, start following me." And then it's like, "Well, who do you think you are?" They remind me of Israel. Oh, yeah, God can do all of this. Okay, then follow us, go into the promised land, and con- what? Are you nuts? Those people over there are huge. Or you stay here and just be obedient and prayerful and thoughtful while I go up on the mountain. Well, it's taking him forever. I'll bet he's dead. We need some gods. Let's, uh, let's, can, can't you make us a golden calf? Jesus says, don't grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I'm going to raise him up on the last day. It's written in the prophets they will all be taught by God everyone has who has heard and learned from the father comes to me look at this let's skip down in interest of time Jesus says whoever believes has eternal life I am the bread of life your fathers ate the manna whoops your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died But this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. If anyone eats of this bread, he'll live forever. The bread I'm going to give the world is my flesh. I'm going to die on your behalf. Jesus could not be clearer on what he's saying here. Now the Jews are all upset about it, and they're fussing and fighting, and how does he mean this, and what's he doing, and blah, 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 blah. The disciples hear them, and and all of a sudden, the people start leaving Jesus. You know, this was interesting when he was feeding us. It was interesting to watch the miracles, but now he's talking about how he's going to die, and and we're supposed to eat and be a part of him. This whole thing just seems wiggy, and we're out of here. Let's get on back about our business. And Jesus turns around. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed. We've come to know you're the Holy One of God. And that's the discourse on the bread of life points for home first the Passover the feast of the Jews was at hand we are not to miss the fact that Jesus is the Messiah Jesus is the one that God sent to restore what was broken He restores my fellowship with God that's been broken by my sin. But he also restores so much more. And he can take you and me and take all that is broken in our lives. And work together for his good, for his kingdom, and for your wholeness and our healing. That's our Messiah. Our work is to trust him for that. Point for home two. The sea became rough because of a strong wind that was blowing. When they'd rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat. Then they were glad to take him into the boat. <laughs> I stopped it there because I really wanted to emphasize that. For they were glad to take him into the boat. I want to tell you I've got storms in my life I face storms we all do we face storms at work we face storms at play at school at home with health with money with all sorts of things we face storms in life And I'm glad to take Jesus into my boat. I want Jesus to speak into my storms. Because believing and trusting in him is not simply a mental, oh, okay, I accept it. It's an entrustment. It's a, I'm relying on you. You know the old famous line, you use Jesus as a crutch. Well, yes, if you're crippled, you need one. I'm going. To, I, I I need him. At last point for home. They were about to come and take him by force to make him king. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Simon Peter says, "Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Who am I in this story? Who are you in this story? Someone who finds Jesus interesting to watch, read about." someone who will hang around when the stuff's good but leave when it's distasteful someone who's willing to accept Jesus on our terms but not his someone who's willing to say yeah 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 I get it he's, a, he's a, yeah 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 and then no 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 not not for this this is serious I want to be the Simon Peter I want to be the one who says Where else can I go? You're the one who's got the answers. I've hitched my boat to you. I got, I got nowhere else to go. Jesus, God, speak into my life. Speak into this circumstance. Speak into this situation. Save me. I've got nowhere else to turn. I know where I want to be in that story looking forward to talking to you about John 7 next week but right now can I bless you in the name of Jesus father in the name of Jesus I ask your blessings on everyone who hears your word father that we will put our faith and belief in you that right now we can declare Lord Jesus we trust you for our soul for our life and teach us what that means as we live for you We pray in your son's name. Amen. See you guys next Sunday.